Hear the music. I see dead people. Inconceivable! Why so serious? I am serious. And don't call me sure. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. I drink your milkshake! And the Oscar goes to... Shakespeare in Love. David Carpet, Donna Gelati, Harvey Weinstein, Edward Zwick, and Mark Norman producing. I remember being shocked when this happened. I remember not understanding how a movie about Shakespeare could beat arguably the best war movie ever made, especially up until that point. But instead of arguing about the win or loss, I instead wanted to examine what I always do and answer the question, did the Academy get it right? If you've listened to the episode before, then you understand the process. If you're new, I examined the nominated movies as well as submit my own picks for what I believe should have been at least considered for best picture with the Academy Awards. So, let's begin. And finally, I'm pleased to announce that the films selected as the Best Picture nominees of 1998 are Elizabeth, Life is Beautiful, Saving Private Ryan, Shakespeare in Love, and The Thin Red Line. So let's look at the data for the nominated movies. Using three separate metrics, we will find the essential rank for the nominated movies. I've taken the Rotten Tomatoes critic rating, audience rating, and IMDb rating for each film and ranked them accordingly. But simply using these metrics would not be fair to some of the selections because of the amount of views versus the score. So I enlisted the help of a mathematician friend of mine to develop an equation that would allow us to have a fair and accurate result for each movie that we call the quotient score. Now ranking the nominated films with their critic score on Rotten Tomatoes gives us the following from highest to lowest. Number one, Saving Private Ryan with 93%, Shakespeare in Love with 92%, Elizabeth with 82%, Life is Beautiful has 80%, and The Thin Red Line with 80%. Ranking the movies according to their audience score, we get the following order. Number one, Life is Beautiful. Number two, Saving Private Ryan. Number three, Elizabeth. Number four, The Thin Red Line. Number five, Shakespeare in Love. Based on their IMDb readings, Saving Private Ryan, Life is Beautiful, The Thin Red Line, Elizabeth, and number five, Shakespeare in Love. The top film consistently was Saving Private Ryan, but what happens when we add in the other great films of 1999 that should have been contenders for at least a nomination? Well, wait, wait, let me let me explain something to you. Um, I am not Mr. Lebowski. You're Mr. Lebowski. I'm the dude. So that's what you call me, you know? Uh, that or uh, his dudeness or uh, duder or, uh, you know, El Duderino, if you're not into the whole brevity thing. Uh, Are you employed, sir? Employed? <laughs> you don't go out looking for a job dressed like that, do you? On a weekday? Is this a 
What day is this? Comedies have often been somewhat of a finicky category for the Academy. The quirky indie comedies oftentimes were the only type that could receive a nomination. Look at Little Miss Sunshine, or even Fargo two years prior with its nomination for Best Picture. The Big Lebowski was not a box office smash, only earning $18 million on a $15 million budget, but its scores and the metrics we look at is what is really telling. The Big Lebowski has an 8.1 on IMDb, 82% critic rating on Rotten Tomatoes, and a 94% audience score. Well, yeah. I think, I do remember that people didn't know what to make of it. That they, you know, exactly. that they what really... What does this mean? And yeah. then I think what the movie does so brilliantly is that once you know what it is, then you really enjoy, like, every moment of it. And once yeah. you get to know the scenes that are coming, yeah. then you just enjoy yeah. it yeah. for... Right. I don't know what it is, but I love it. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's these <laughs> yeah. great characters and... And relationships, like, there's nothing funny going on here. This is about your life and mine. It's about decent, hardworking Americans falling through the cracks and getting the shaft because their government cares more about the constitutional rights of a bunch of people who aren't even citizens of this country. On the Statue of Liberty, it says, give me your tired, your hungry, your poor. Well, it's Americans who are tired and hungry and poor. And I say until you take care of that, close the fucking book. Because we're losing. American History X, to me, is one of the best modern tales of racism ever created. The construction of the narrative is so well done, with a payoff so powerful, it'll cause any person to have a deep, introspective period after watching the film. American History X should have been a lock of a nomination just with its subject matter, which the Academy eats up like crazy. But it's not just the subject matter that makes this film so great, it's also the performances. Edward Norton delivers the best performance of his career. Edward Furlong equally shines in every scene he's in. But these two don't carry the film alone. The performances of the side characters are equally outstanding. Avery Burks as Principal Sweeney, Ethan Suppley as Seth, Elliot Gould as Murray, Stacey Keach as Cameron Alexander, and even Feruza Balk as Stacey all come together to create the believable group of Nazi skinheads. What is also great about American History X is director Tony Kaye's ability to walk the line of not glorifying white supremacy and racism, but instead takes the script by David McKenna and makes it into one of the most powerful films I've ever seen. American History X has an 8.5 IMDb rating, 83% critic on Rotten Tomatoes, and a 96% audience score. A lot of people seeing this, I mean, you, me, a lot of other people are kind of the converted as yeah, far exactly. as convincing people that racism is a bad thing or that racism ha and violence have consequences. A lot of people know that already, but, but those of us who do, I think, do another thing that's perhaps um, sort of a bit of a denial, which is we look at events like Matthew Shepard getting tied to the fence posts or this guy being dragged in Texas, and, and we this have a, a young gay man that was beaten to death. Right, and we, there are you know, things in the news all too frequently, and we have a tendency to to look at the people who commit the act and it's easier to just you know call them evil or, or treat it like it's an aberration but the truth is it's not and there's a there's a very tragic and complex human dynamic that flows backwards in their story as well and i think confronting an audience to take on the more disturbing task of of dealing with the real complexity of what created that person is tough too the intent of it is to at best to try to just provoke some thoughtful consideration of some of the the real complexities behind these these um, 
tragic things that we see only, I think, in a little bit oversimplified sort of fashion in the nightly news. I feel like the message at the end of it is, is a very firm statement of the tragedy um, in all directions of, of letting your life be consumed by hate, by hate and, the, and rage that's behind it. And, um, and so, so I hope it's provocative, but I don't, I, if, I don't think it's controversial in the sense that I, I would find it hard to believe that anyone could come away from it offended by what it concludes. It's okay, Julian. I understand. I have been watching you your whole life. I was watching when you were born. I was watching when you took your first step. I watched you on your first day of school. <laughs> the episode when you lost your first tooth. Jim Carrey's five previous films to The Truman Show, Dumb and Dumber, Batman Forever, Ace Ventura When Nature Calls, The Cable Guy, and Liar Liar. The Truman Show was the first film for Carrey to really delve into a more serious role, something audiences had not yet seen from the comedian. But when The Truman Show was released, it showed us he isn't just a silly, face-making actor, but someone who can command a film without relying on constant jokes and humor. While The Truman Show did have funny moments, it was a brilliantly told tale from writer Andrew Nichol, led by director Peter Weir. One of the things I find so great about the film is the creativity behind the world created. It's a love story at heart and also a coming-of-age story for an adult, someone whose life has been in control since birth. The choice for Weir to use cameras in Truman's world to show us the story is a brilliant decision, which paid off so well and gave believability to the narrative. The Truman Show has an 8.1 IMDb rating, a 94% critic rating on Rotten Tomatoes, and an 89% audience score. This is a subtle and wonderful movie, one of the year's best, and Jim Carrey might seem like an unlikely choice to play Truman, but as I was looking at the film, he seemed almost inevitable. Gene? Well, Roger, I believe that this film may be nothing less than a watershed movie with Warren Beatty's Bullworth and this film finally we are getting back to the way things used to be roger the way things used to be that made us want to be film critics in the first place 30 years ago when we were in college and that is films of ideas and jim carrey does a marvelous job he has a i saw this film two times the second time i focused on him and what the requirements of his performance are and what he's particularly good at of course is when the role requires him to turn the energy up in mm -hmm. moments of either um, uh, you know, extreme emotion or discovery. And then Carrie, of course, who is nothing if not energetic, is quite equal to that and keeps the film alive. These are the three films I'm adding for consideration for a Best Picture nomination and maybe even a win. The Big Lebowski, American History X, and The Truman Show. When we begin to rank these films in the metrics and begin the quotient scores, here's how the rankings go. For IMDb, the top five are Saving Private Ryan, American History X, The Truman Show, The Big Lebowski, and Life is Beautiful. 
For critic rating on Rotten Tomatoes, the top five are Saving Private Ryan, Shakespeare in Love, The Truman Show, The Big Lebowski, and The Thin Red Line. And lastly, the audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. Saving Private Ryan, The Truman Show, American History X, The Big Lebowski, and Life is Beautiful. So now what? Now we take the placement of each film in the three categories and using a point system based on their rankings, we get the final outcome. Number one, Saving Private Ryan. Number two, The Truman Show. Number three, American History X. Number four, The Big Lebowski. And number five, Shakespeare in Love. Saving Private Ryan was never meant to be thrilling. It was never meant to be an adventure. It was meant to be a recreation, a kind of a documentation of the closest I could get to the experiences of those who fought there on June 6th. So there was a lot of research that went into the, the recreation of that landing from the actual kids who landed. And Stephen Ambrose, you know, had written a tremendous book about D-Day, another book about citizen soldiers. And he was, I think, the foremost, he was, he was the first writer, the first biographer that really got into the DNA of a combat veteran. And really, to, to this day, is the father, I think, of all the combat veterans in America today. And, and I really felt that, that all the research that we did really brought that scene to life because it was ugly, because it was honest. And it had to be ugly because that's the way it was. And uh, um, I kept fearing that I was making it so ugly the film would never be able to get into a movie theater in America. It would be labeled NC-17 and nobody would ever see it. And I was hoping upon hope that the historic relevance of that landing on that day, which basically saved Western democracy, Western civilization was saved that day by, by, by these kids that landed on June 6th. I was hoping that that would allow younger people to come to a movie that would certainly be rated R, but I think had more to it than just um, the exploitation of World War II. And the Oscar goes to... Shakespeare in Love. So did the Academy get the nominations right? Not even close. Based on the nominations, did they award the best movie the award for best picture? Nope. Did the Academy give the year's best picture award to the best movie of the year? Absolutely not. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoy these segments as much as I enjoy making them. 